0: In confusion and uncertainty,
1: there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers.
0: Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I am Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. You're listening to Beacon of Truth on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is great to be with you today. And... Uh, I had a wonderful time. Well, where, where in the world am I, am I today? Uh, well, yesterday, last night, I was at Our Lady of Grace Parish in uh, South Carolina. Had a wonderful time there um, talking, with, uh, talking with the parishioners about my book, Building a Civilization of Love, A Catholic Response to Ra- Racism, available with my other books at the EWTN Religious Catalog um wonderful wonderful uh event last night and i signed i don't know maybe 100 books <laughs> the parish bought like a ton of books and gave them free everyone that attended got the book for free and i spent some time uh, afterwards signing books and talking to people lots of ewtn folks there um people said they've they've been watching me for years on the network and then now they're listening to the show speaking of truth and so that that was uh wonderful to hear and i said i love meeting members of the ewtn uh both television and the global catholic radio network family you know i'm always heartened to hear how mother angelica uh and the network has really touched people um has really brought people closer to to jesus uh in, in that beautiful divine embrace of his intimate loving communion um so it, it's just it's just beautiful uh so if you want to see where i'm going to be go to my website deaconharold.com click on schedule in the page header, again, I'd love to meet all of you in person. And today, I am starting uh, a mission uh, at St. Susanna Catholic Church um, in Mason, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. Just arrived here today. And this is my, well, yeah, I was, I was here two years ago in the Cincinnati area. I, I gave a parish mission, actually back to back. Like one week, I was in one parish in Cincinnati, diocese, and then the next week, I was in a different parish in Cincinnati. So uh, I was at um, St. Cecilia Parish, um, uh, and I was also St. Margaret of York. That was two years ago, 2022. So uh, I'm I'm, uh, grateful to be back in this area again. Again, this time at St. Susanna. if you want to join us, we're at St. Susanna's in Mason, Ohio. I'll be preaching at all the masses on the weekend, so tomorrow and Sunday. And then the mission is Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday nights. I'll also be addressing the students at the school uh, here as well. So uh, I'm excited uh, to be here. You know, uh, I love doing these missions and doing the Lord's work in, in the Lord's vineyard. Especially this during this time of year. This this is a beautiful season, penitential season of Lent, where we emphasize uh, sacrifice and and service and uh, and evangelization and discipleship and. Um, so I yeah just I'm I'm just thrilled to, to be here with all of you, and uh, you know I was uh, the flight was delayed, which typically happens. You know so sometimes you just, it just happens. You can't do anything about that. But um, so I was getting quite a bit of work done in the in the airport and uh and i decided to take a little break and um what i like to do is like to watch musicians you know like uh like who's like some of the latest folks on youtube and i and i my go-to page is rick beato who's a music producer and um he 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 highlights like these young just amazing gifted players you know and so i was watching he had a video with uh, mateo mancuso who's a Phenomenal guitarist from Italy. He had Mateus Asado, who was, on, like, again, YouTube kind of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Instagram sensation guitarist. Uh, uh, and, and today I, I was watching uh, Mohini Day, uh, this young woman from uh, Mumbai who's just a phenomenal bass bassist. Uh, just the stuff she was doing. And, and I, I was just sitting there going, my jaw was hitting the ground like, What? You know, and the thing is, these all these young people are in their twenties, and and just the facility that they have, and their and the chops and and their ability is just absolutely extraordinary. You know, at that young of an age to be able to kind of have the talent that that they have is just breathtaking. Really, I mean, I was just in awe watching them play. You know, and and it just reminded me how. God has in, in the scriptures has used young people to do amazing things. You know, when you think about Samuel, uh, for example, you know, you all know the story. Samuel, the, the future prophet, was in the tent with the priest Eli, and the Lord called him, and he didn't recognize the Lord's vo- voice, so he thought it was Eli calling him. So three times he goes to Eli, and Eli the third time recognizes as the Lord calling him. And he said, you know, so next time you hear that voice, here's what you do. You you know, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You know, so so a couple things there. First of all, the young Samuel did not recognize the voice of the Lord. And how many young people today don't recognize God's voice? Or don't listen to God's voice? Or they don't know how to listen to God's voice? Now, I think about people saying, for example, we have a vocations crisis, not enough priests. There's... There's no vocations crisis. The Holy Spirit is calling these men to to, to the priesthood. They're calling young women to religious life. I don't think they're listening, or they don't know how to listen. And so just like Eli, uh, who taught Samuel how to listen to and respond to the voice of the Lord, to recognize the voice of the Lord in their life, we need to help these young people listen and respond courageously to the voice of the Lord calling them. Why? So they can use their gifts, their talents, their abilities, so that God can use them for his glory. You know, that, that's just I mean, that's one thought coming to my mind watching these, these brilliant, brilliant um, young musicians uh, today. And, and so you think of also Solomon. After uh, his father David died, Solomon becomes the, the new king of, uh, of Israel. And uh, he was asleep and the Lord came to him and said, you know, whatever you ask for, I will give you. And so (laughs) just think think for a second, what would you ask for? If you were were 20 again or 19 again, what would you ask for if the Lord I'll give you whatever you want. Money, cars, prestige, fame. Solomon asked for wisdom to be able to rule his people well. Right? So he asked for wisdom. What, what a beautiful thing. Again, we need to help these young people listen to and, resp- and courageously respond to the voice of the Lord and with the response of Samuel, with the response of Solomon. You know, give me wisdom, help me understand, make me know your will, use my gifts and the, my talents that you have given to me, to me, so that your will can be done in the world. And whether that's being a phenomenal musician like these, like I said, I don't know the, the faith of any of these. Musicians I've been talking about, uh, no clue, but but I love just watching people like this use their God given talents uh, to to the best of their ability. You know, using their gifts uh, in in their own way, even though they may not even recognize it, to honor and to glorify God. You know, and another young person I'm thinking about in scriptures as well is uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, she was a teenager married to Joseph. Um, after the Edusine and before the Nisuin, the in-between in the in part uh, of, the, of the two parts of the wedding ceremony, the, the angel Gabriel comes to the Blessed Mother and tells her she's going to be the mother of God. And, and how does Mary respond? With courage. With, uh, I am. The, now, she didn't fully understand the implication of her yes, obviously, but she responds with a deep love and a deep faith. I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. How beautiful is that? You know, imagine if, 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 how, if our young people responded to the voice of the Lord that way in this culture of woke, in this culture where they're going to college and universities that are indoctrination centers, to, uh, tell, telling these young people what to think instead of teaching them how to think. That's why we need the church. That's why we need um, good Catholic high schools like the ones I mentioned a few days ago, and and colleges and universities. Uh, Because, again, just like Eli, they're going to help these young people listen and respond to the voice of God in their life. Today on the show, we're talking about feminine spirituality. We talked about the guys last week, and now it's the ladies' turn. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986, or you can... Email beacon at E-W-T-N.com. And So my approach, I mean, obviously it's such a broad topic, feminine spirituality, but I'm going to just root it in a biblical foundation and just focus on that, uh, on, the, on the show today. So I'm sure you have some thoughts about that. Love to hear from you. And um, again, I, what reason I love doing this show, again, like last night I was greeting people after the talk and they were talking about how much they loved the the tenor and the tone of the show you know focusing on the beauty and truth of our one holy Catholic and apostolic faith and that's what we do on Beacon of Truth again we'll be back give us a call 833-288-3986 love to hear from you on Beacon of Truth with your host Deacon Harold Burke Sivers kind of music we hear here on a friday that's
1: right Woo! friday feel Love good it. song
0: that's it that's it welcome back to beacon of truth i'm your host deacon harold burke sivers and beacon of truth has the best bumper music in the business mm-hmm. and that is because we have a, a wonderful show team behind working behind the scenes our call screener matt gabinski our social media guru charles berry and the producer, Ace McKay. Ace in the place. How you
1: doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm ready for the weekend. My son turns 13 today, so you remember what 13 felt like? Yes, I t- <laughs> <laughs> I my, uh, my wife, she messaged me. She goes, do you have access? Can you stop and get some candles so we can get him a dessert when we go out tonight? I was like... He's 13, babe. He does not want us to make a big deal about him. He's not five and going, yeah, you know, like he wants to be like on the, you know, the DL. Come on, they say, just give me my ice cream and I want to go home and play my Xbox. Like that's, you know, that's the life he lives, right? (laughs) And probably
0: hang with his friends a little bit, too. At 13?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Anything, yeah. you know, which he's at that age where, like, he likes to hang by himself. So he'll go in uh, his room and, you know, play his games. And he's got one of those chairs, the gaming chairs. So, like, it, you know, like I'll hear it shake through the hardwood floors, you know, when he's playing. <laughs> and, then, and then it always follows with it. Oh, man. You know, like, you know, somebody got him or something. You know, it's like, you okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm fine. You know, that's what I hear from him. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of that.
0: Uh, that's awesome. We want to let you
1: know that uh, this weekend is a good time for you to check out uh, EWTN Radio, especially if you're getting some shopping done. So uh, we've got the Shroud of the Turin wall plaque, which features a beautiful uh, reproduction of the holy face of Jesus, something you definitely might want to display during the Lenten season. So find out more about that when you shop. uh, EWTNRC.com. Remember, free standard shipping for orders $75 or more when you use the code FREE at checkout. And again, EWTNRC.com.
0: Well, when you hear that music, you know it is time to dig into the Psalms. And today's topic, we're talking about feminine spirituality. And so I thought I'd pick a Psalm that kind of highlighted that theme. And I'm uh, choosing today, if you got your Bibles out, Psalm 1. 28. That's in book five of the psalms, Psalms 128. And it's uh in a group of psalms called gradual psalms or songs of ascents Um, Psalms 120 to 134. These are psalms that are sung by worshipers as they ascended the road to Jerusalem to celebrate the Peace of Passover or the Peace of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Pentecost also called the Feast of Weeks so or the Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Booths. And these were, would be the psalms that they sang as they were going uh, to celebrate one of those three feasts in the temple in Jerusalem. And so uh, David wrote four of the psalms, 122, 124, 131, and 133. One of the psalms, 127, is attributed to Solomon. Um, and this one is unattributed 128 but uh but let's dive in uh now verse one obviously the, the prescript here it just says a song of ascents okay now why is this song of ascents because it, going up to the road jerusalem so if you are coming if you are going north if you're coming from the south and going north to jerusalem or whether you are going north and coming south to jerusalem they you you are still ascending you're still still considered to be ascending and pilgrimaging, and these were pilgrimage songs that they sung so 128 a song of ascents blessed are they who fear the Lord okay so fear there is Yahweh in Hebrew which means honor reverence and respect so blessed are all who fear uh, again a filial fear reverential fear honor reverence respect the Lord and walk in his ways by the labor of your hands, you shall eat; you will be blessed and prosper. Right, so this is kind of the introduction to the psalm. It's focusing on uh, family, because remember, when when they went to the uh, to the road, uh, up to Jerusalem to celebrate one of these three feasts, they went as family. Uh, they traveled as a family unit. So it, we and we know this. Remember that uh, when they went, the Holy Family went. Jesus got left behind the temple. They were already on, their, Mary and Joseph already on their way back, probably in a family caravan, thought that Jesus was with some relatives, realized he wasn't there, had to go back to Jerusalem to look for him. And so, um, so, so this psalm in particular has kind of a, this kind of family feel to it. By the labor of your hands you shall eat. So we have to work. We all have to do work in the Lord's vineyard. We have to use our gifts and talents, as I was talking about earlier, to the best of our ability. And we will, you will be blessed and prosper. Not necessarily financial wealth. That, that's not how they thought about prospering. Right? They thought about, <laughs> interesting, having how many children you're going to have. That's considered blessed. That's considered prosperous. You know, when, when God has blessed you with children. Boy, how opposite are we now in this culture? <laughs> in this world today? You know, it's like, uh, limit the number of your kids. You know, and then we wonder why. Uh, you know, uh, uh, well, they talk about the population thing, but that maybe it's a, that's a whole other thing. There's no, no such thing as overpopulation. I know that's not popular, but it's true. Um, you know, even, just to show you how it works, right? In China, they had the one-child policy, and they saw that that wasn't working, their population wasn't recovering, and uh, if they kept going at that pace, their economy would would crash and never recover. So they had a two-child policy. So now they're, they're they're discovering that that even that's not even enough now, you know. Um, uh, so again, being blessed and prosper with with children and family. Then verse three, your wife, like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house. Now the the word in, in Aramaic that Jesus used actually is Ephrata, or or in Hebrew it's Parah. It means to be open. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter one, where it says, "Be fruitful." And multiply and fill the earth. So in fact, that's God's first command to our first parents. Is to be fruitful. Or para. Or frata in Aramaic. Be open. So what's the first words for God's first command? Be open to life. That's the first command. And here it is also in Psalm 128. Your wife, like a fruitful vine. Like an open vine. You know, she's open to life, like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house. Like, the, remember, they're, they're thinking about um, the grapes here that they use to make wine the, uh, and, and how abundant those grapes are at the time of the harvest. You know, that's what our family should be like, a fruitful vine in the heart of your house. That is awesome, and that is exactly the right word, the heart of the house. And I'm going to show um, when we talk about feminine spirituality today on, on Beacon of Truth, um, uh, how the woman is the heart of the home. She is the heart of the family. So that's exactly the the, the the beautiful word that's used there. She's the heart of your house. Your children, like shoots of the olive around your table. Again, the fruitfulness, the olive that's used to make uh, oil. You know, when they, when they crush the olive, and, the, and, and that's one of the things I love uh going to the holy land and and you know let's let's continue to pray for peace over there so we can all go back <laughs> and visit the land that, that that where Jesus uh lived and and preached and and died and rose um and so let's let's pray for peace um but the olive trees I love those olive trees there it's so so fruitful and beautiful and it's a wonderful image when you hear um, Jesus talking about uh, the parables and you see the, the trees or the plants or the area that he was uh, speaking of. It really gives a beautiful visual when you hear those uh, scriptures, those gospels in, the, in mass. Beautiful. Like shoots of the olive around your table. Indeed, thus shall be blessed the man who fears the Lord. Again, returning, verse four, returning to the same thing as verse one. You will be blessed the man who fears the Lord. honors reverence and respects the Lord Uh, in all aspects of his life in his work life in his family life Um, uh, but particularly in in his family life because why he's the priest in the house you know uh, what's the main job of a priest to offer sacrifice to give your life and die every day of your life for your your wife and for your children same thing no different than the priest in the parish we call priest father (laughs) <laughs> Just because they don't have biological children, you better believe that they have tons of spiritual children, and they're responsible for each and every one of those souls under their care as the father of the parish family. You know, So this, this very much applies to, to our, our priests out there as well. Uh, verse 5, may the Lord bless you from Zion. Right. So Zion is uh, the word they use for the heavenly Jerusalem. So you have Jerusalem on earth, uh, and then you have Zion, which is the heavenly Jerusalem. So it's a spir- spiritual Jerusalem. May the Lord bless you from Zion. Uh, why? Because the, Zor- the Lord is in heaven. Right? He is in the heavenly Jerusalem. May you see Jerusalem prosper all the days of your life. Right. So, and so how, obviously, we, the, 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 these are uh, uh, Jewish... Um, Uh, uh, authors here writing these gradual psalms Uh, may you see Jerusalem prosper but what about where you live how are we going to see the city that we live in the parish boundaries that that we're part of how are we going to see them prosper all the days of our life we have to witness to them and the primary witness comes from the family John Paul II talks about this in Familiaris Consortio. You know, he talks about the importance of the family structure. You know, um, if we have, we have strong families, we have a strong church. We have a strong church, we have much better witnesses to this culture. In fact, I think we could take back this, this crooked and depraved generation, this adulterous, a simple generation, by the witness of, of families. You know, and, and I'm starting to see in many parishes now, family catechesis. You know, where where they're not just dropping the kids off for confirmation class or first communion, that they're having parallel classes for the parents. So so the parents drop the kids off and they themselves stay to get their own catechesis. And you know, I could see I could see at first, you know, uh parents being upset or discouraged. Or, you know, I worked all day, I just wanna crack a beer and watch the game and you know, now I got to stay here for this class. And, and hopefully, if, if the classes are being done well, um, that they're, they're learning about the faith, not just learning facts and figures and filling their heads with knowledge, but filling their hearts uh, with love. <laughs> they're falling more deeply in love with Jesus. As they come to know Jesus, as they come to understand the power of the sacraments working in their lives, that there's not this disconnect between okay, my faith on Sunday. Okay, okay, let's family. all okay, let's go to mass. Okay, now we're gonna go to uh, IHOP. Okay, now we're gonna do this. You know, where it's not just another thing on a list, but but we're you know participating more deeply in the parish family as an extension of the domestic church, the church of the home. That's a beautiful thing, and may you see your children's children on Israel peace. May you see your children's children. I love that. You listen to Beacon of Truth. When we come back, we're going to talk all about feminine spirituality from a biblical perspective. Join the conversation, 833-288-3986 or email beacon at ew10.com. like that. Nice vibe.
1: Fedora Fridays. That's we're going to start.
0: <laughs> we're putting uh, the band yes. back together. It's on yeah. a mission <laughs> from God. Uh, a little and for Put the band back together. I like that. Uh, you're listening to Beacon of Truth. I am your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. And the voice you just heard was our uh, our crack producer, Ace McKay, along with our call screener, Matt Gabinsky, and our social media expert, Charles Beery. And we are talking about feminine spirituality, kind of a biblical perspective. So if you want to be part of the show, give us a call. 833-288-3986
1: want to let you know that uh, we want to say congratulations to part of the EWTN Radio family, our friends in Central Texas, as uh, you listen to Armor of God Catholic Radio. They are airing their Spring Pledge Drive, going to be going on next week. So uh, as you listen, make sure you are giving and donating and supporting EWTN Catholic Radio and tell your friends. And, of course, you can always find out where you can take EWTN with you when you visit us at EWTNradio.net.
0: All right. Excellent. Well... Let us dive into our topic today, feminine spirituality. Now, uh, we've talked about the guys, we talked about Genesis 2, and we're going to also start there with the ladies as well. So in Genesis 2.18, well, so, so far, what has happened? The Lord created man, ha-adam, in Hebrew, the man, put him in the garden to till and to keep it, so he gave him his mission to serve, protect, and defend. He gave him the one commandment about the tree, uh, not eating the fruit, um, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you eat of it, you will die. Um, uh, uh, in other words, you, you, cut, you cut yourself off from God's life. But then, he doesn't stop there. He says, "I will." it's not good for the man to be alone. Why? Because God himself exists as a family, as a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he says, in Genesis 2.18, I will make a helper fit for him. So the word helper there is actually a compound word in Hebrew, helpmate, azadar konegdo. It literally means someone who stands opposite or parallel to you, who helps, aids, assists, surrounds, protects, and defends in battle. God want to create a battle partner for the man. What's the battle going to be against? Sin, death, the devil, they fight together. I love that. He, and see, so don't ever think that women are weak don't ever think that a woman is weak. Okay, now, footnote, footnote, footnote. Cuz so I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute. Isn't there something like in the epistles that talks about women are weaker, you know? And uh that's okay. So let's let's take a look at that very quickly. First Peter. Peter's talking to a group of pagan men who are coming into the church or becoming yeah, becoming into church coming Christians. They are used to treating their women like objects and like things. So Paul uh, uh, Peter's saying, look, Because you're coming, Chris, you can no longer uh, treat your women like that. Remember, your job now is to serve, protect, defend. To use your strength to serve, not to not to uh, oppress. So, and the word he uses there, he says, "Women are and and use that strength because women are the weaker sex." It's osteneo in Greek. It's a word like for a support column that has a crack in it. So it's not falling apart, but it's weak. And so, what our job is is to help upbuild, uplift the women. He's talking about physical weakness, not mentally or spiritually weaker, physically weaker. Now, that's not misogynistic at all. Why? That's why there's women's sports. Mm (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, it has nothing to do with their their intellectual ability or their spiritual ability. Nothing like that, you know. So he's he's saying, use your strength not to abuse, but to serve, protect, and defend. That's that's the sense there.
1: Yeah. And I've been blessed, you know, having a mom that was very centered in her faith, like she's strong, dude. I mean, like she didn't take anything from anybody, especially her son. Uh, But in watching that, it laid the groundwork for my wife as you know, I was looking for someone who was strong and confident in their faith, but knew that we it was the two of us against the world, not us against each other. And if she's in a moment where she's like, hey, uh, I really need you to help me with, you know, like I'm here to help her and she's here to help me. And we tend to forget that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, We're in this together, you know. And, yep. and here's, here's why I love this about the women be, being the battle partner, the Um During the pandemic, I, I spent uh, more time in books of the Bible I normally don't spend a lot of time in. Mm. And one of them was Proverbs. Now, we've all heard that expression, gird your loins. Right, and that's typically uh, used language used for a man preparing for battle, yeah. where he, you know, uh, takes the tunic and and, and uh, puts the excess between his legs and cinches cinches it around his waist. Now his legs are free, his loins are girt, and he's prepared for battle. Um, typically, again, for men. But but here in, th- in Proverbs thirty-one, it, I, I love verse eleven, and then skipping to verse seventeen. Verse eleven says, "The heart of her husband." Trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Wow! He, mm-hmm. the husband, entrusting his heart to his wife, and if he does that, he will not lack anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's and then and then seventeen. She girds her loins with strength and makes her arms strong. What? I love that. Yeah. She girds, she is, right, they're in the battle together. They're in the battle against sin and death and for the family, for the church, for the culture together. Love that.
1: Well, and also in that verse, it's a reminder that we as married couple, and you may experience the same thing with your wife. I know that I can go to my wife with my transparency and go, listen, you're going to see an ugly side of me right now, and I, and this is why. And I can just bleh, and she receives that, and then she knows how to pray for me, pray with me, how whatever her role is in decisions that are going to affect our family or each other. And, and it goes, again, goes both ways. You know, that's a, that's a two-way street.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. No question about it. And, and so how, how does the Lord go about creating this battle partner? It's a though. Well, the first thing we see is that he creates a bunch of animals, and he brings them to the man. And a man names them. And yet, amongst all the different animals that the Lord brought, there was not a helper fit for him. Right? And, and so there's a parallel in our culture today. You know, uh, we have people mocking the, the uh, sacrament of matrimony. The institution of marriage is being mocked and ridiculed in our culture today. So, uh, again, we're trying to find helpers not fit for us. Someone of the same sex, for example. Uh, someone, uh, a, a woman in Seattle attempted to marry an apartment building. Uh, a gentleman in, in Japan spent 18000 U.S. dollars trying to so-called, quote-unquote, marry a hologram. You know, uh, a, a woman in Missouri attempted to, quote-unquote, marry herself, and the judge allowed it. So this, that's called sologamy. So all these different things we're seeing, again, People trying to, instead of being made in the image and likeness of God, they're trying to make God in their image and likeness. But this, the result is the same. There was not a, 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 a helper fit for him. So what does God do? He puts the dude to sleep, takes out a rib, builds up a woman, and brings her to the man. Right? And what is his reaction? Bone in my bone, flesh of my flesh. So what's going on here? First, he puts the man into a deep sleep. This teredema in Hebrew, ter And when you see that word, being used well first of all it means it's a deep sleep without consciousness or dreams Right? it's a deep sleep without consciousness or dreams so in the bible you see that for example in genesis 15 12 um first samuel 26 12 isaiah 29 10 twice in job job four thirteen and job thirty three fifteen, 15 use that word ter-dem-a. and w- whenever that word is used when the person wakes up God does something amazing. Now notice, he doesn't take another pile of, 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 of dirt, of Adama, to create the woman. No. There's no participation in the creation of the woman by the man. Um, uh, he, he takes a rib from his side. Now now, why? Look, if you're going to build a battle partner to fight against the forces of the devil, sin and death, why not use a big bone like a femur, humerus, ulnar, radius, clavicle, why Why a rib? Okay, so if you use a bone from the lower part of the body, she'd be less than him. If you use the bone from the upper part of the body, she'd be greater than him. Use a rib from the side to show that she's equal to him. Now, interestingly, the, uh, in, he, in, in, in Genesis 2 in Hebrew, the word is not rib. Uh, it's selah, which is a feminine noun, which means side. Um, which and, and actually is to, to show a common nature, right? To show a common nature is what Selah means. So it's much deeper than rib. Now, why did in English, why did they translate that rib when it doesn't mean rib? Very simply this if, if, in English, if we say side, the, you're thinking left side, right side, upper side, lower side, side of fries. I mean, side can mean a lot of things in English. <laughs> um, but they use the word rib to show that it was the middle. Right? Not above, not below, side by side. And 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 I want to talk a little bit about this showing, showing the common nature. See, woman can help uh, man bridge his solitude. Because remember, man was created in St. John Paul two as his original solitude. Um, and it, it was not good for him to be in that solitude because God exists as a family. And so if he's going to be the image-likeness of God, the family on, on earth must be the image-likeness of the family in heaven. Um so she can help bridge that solitude precisely because she, too, is constituted in that same solitude in regard to the world. And she bridges that solitude by sharing with her husband the very features that create that solitude. Self-awareness, self-determination, um, and, and, and openness to uh, uh, without distinction. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. So what happens in their union? Unity in distinction is the highest form of unity. So, so for example, there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the highest form of unity uh, that they have is precisely because there's distinction. Because there's distinction, they're able to have unity. And so, it images The life of the Trinity. The interchange of knowledge and love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the most profound unity. And it is a deeper unity than being indistinguishably one. Why? (laughs) Because it's a unity of love. It's a unity of love. And this is the Eucharistic aspect of interpersonal communion. That's how the Eucharist makes us one. Oh my, this is, God, Catholic, man. This is, this is awesome. This is beautiful stuff. And, and now you're beginning to see why the Blessed Virgin Mary is so important. Now you're beginning to see why the church is always referred to in the catechism as she. Revelation 19.9, she's the bride of Christ. Christ is the eternal bridegroom. And our goal is to make it to heaven where Christ, our bridegroom, will give us life and love for all eternity. Right? That's what's going on here. It's so incredibly beautiful. Here's another connection. So he takes the, 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 the rib from her, the side. Now think about this. Jesus Christ is in the de ma of death, in the so-called sleep of death, because Jesus always refers to death in, in the Gospels as sleep. Remember the little girl, the 12-year-old, when Takun little girl arrived, she was asleep, according to the Lord. Um, when he went to, to, to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead, let's go wake our brother, All right? So there's Jesus in the terrible amount sleep of death. Longinus spears him in the side. What comes out? Blood and water. St. John Chrysostom and other fathers of the church will say, blood for the Eucharist, water for baptism. The church is born from the side of Christ. The bride comes forth from the side of the bridegroom on the cross. And what, and what, what happens when that happens? We receive that Eucharist we become one look at the, the incredible parallels between Christ on the cross and this uh, the, the 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 matrimonial covenant that's established between the the man and the woman in Genesis chapter 2 but god this is awesome everything makes sense everything is connected
1: so the question that arose is the mindset of in that beginning times did God anticipate the fall? Like, did he know that that was coming?
0: Well, of course, God is omnipotent, right? So God knows everything, right? Sure. But, But that knowledge did not take away their freedom to decide. Mm. See? Yeah. So, so God didn't put anything in their way to prevent them from losing their free will ability to make a decision, yes or no, for God. Okay. Right? Yeah. Th- yeah, so. Um, so. So what does he say when he sees her? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Why? Um, In Semitic languages like Hebrew and Aramaic, they don't have superlative words. So we use words like the greatest, the best, the most to describe something to the highest or greatest degree. They don't have words like that. So one of the two things they did, they said something three times, which we steal all the time as Catholics, like the Sanctus at Mass. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord because God gets the highest degree of holiness, or they use a prepositional phrase. Jesus Christ, for example, in 1 Timothy, book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is king of kings and lord of lords. He's the greatest of all kings. He's the lord of all lords. And so now the man looks upon this woman, looks upon his wife, who in an earthly sense, again, anticipating the wedding feast of heaven, but who in an earthly sense completes him, perfects him, perfects him perfectly complements him. He says, you are bone of my bone, flesh of my, you are the greatest of my bone. You are the greatest of my flesh. You are the greatest part of who I am, right? Be Almost like he's saying being of my being. That is beautiful. Now, gosh, imagine what this world would be like if every man looked at a woman that way, didn't see the porn star didn't see an object to be used and discarded when he's not you know human trafficking, contraception, all these things that turn each other into objects. If we go back to the basics, page two of the Bible, and look at what God's plan, and to try to live that to the best of our ability, what would marriages be like? You know, if, if we went back to this foundational, biblical understanding of what matrimony truly is.
1: But while men's veils are needing to be lifted in a lot of homes, what do you say to that strong Catholic woman who's trying to be all the things that God is calling her to while still honoring her husband in the process?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, In in fact, if you look at Genesis 3, 16, um, that's that's when the temporal punishment for sin are being handed out. And he says to the woman, you're going to have painful childbirth, That's the first one. And the other one is, your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. And the word there is malshal, in Hebrew, which means to dominate like a tyrant. So the fact that a man does not treat his wife with the dignity and respect that she absolutely deserves, that is a sad and tragic effect of original sin. So what the woman has has to do is to encourage... Well, first of all... Uh, the, men, the her husband should be part of a men's group in a parish. Has I mean, he, he has to ha- have other men talk to because sometimes a woman tries to talk to her husband if his heart's not open to listen. It should be always be open like mm-hmm. yours is to your wife and yeah. and I'm I'm and me as well um, because they think somehow that's a weak a sign of weakness or they have a cultural heritage. You know, you don't understand my background. I'm from this country and this is the way we treat women. Hold on, are you following your country? Are you Following the Bible. Are you with Jesus Christ? That's, that's our standard, not your cultural heritage. It's Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul says there is no, no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free. No, we're all one in Christ. So the standard is the same for everyone. And so she needs to, to, to allow her husband to serve her. We're not going to get into it today, but we're going to definitely be talking about uh, in a future show, Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Wives, be submissive to your husbands. And what that word submissive actually means and what Paul meant, it doesn't mean the, you know, to, to allow your husband to abuse you like you're a slave. It doesn't mean that at all. Um, so so the, the woman has to allow her husband to serve her. Jesus Christ says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Right? And that's the model, servant leadership. His, again, his job is to die to himself every day to live for his wife and children. If he, does, if he doesn't do that, he's not really a man. The, uh, straight up, he is not truly living his his his, his manhood hmm. as it was ordained by God. If he's not doing the things he needs to do to to die to himself to live for his family, and so women, uh, in, in, in a sad and unfortunate situation, they may find themselves with their husband who's checked out. You know, um, they have to still be that strong witness because remember they're the battle partner, but they they should be fighting side by side. But Sometimes they may have to fight alone. My mother had to do that too, and she was the strongest woman um, i 've ever known. I miss her every single day of mm-hmm. my life. You know um, she was a, a great example of service and sacrifice for me growing up you know but um, so uh, women have to um, uh, that's, they have to uh, not to assume of the role of the man they can 't do that. Um, women cannot be fathers impossible right. uh, They could be the strong women that they 're called to be by God, and that 's what they need to do. And maybe find other men uh to, to be in that child's life who could be witness examples of what it means to be a godly man
1: yeah, but with so without the fear of starting fights in lots of marriages over the weekend with this thought, how dangerous is it for men to go to their wives and say, "What is God saying to you about me or about our relationship or about our family?"
0: Well, they should be doing that right. Absolutely, doing that, and there should be no fear there. First John 4 19 says, Perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. So, we have to learn how to love more than be afraid. And I, and I, and I, you know, I can understand a little bit about where that's coming from. Um, like, and I, and I mentioned this before, I think, when we talked about uh, on Valentine's Day, that you know, one of the things that were big for me is that I am I have a very hard time because of the situation growing up in our house. I had a very hard time sharing my heart because, like for example, I had teenage stuff that I wanted to talk to my mom about, but my mom was trying to work all those hours and try to provide for us, and I didn't want to f- put an extra burden on her yeah. by telling her my problems or things that, that, that was in my heart, so I just kept it all in. And that's fine until you into a, a relationship where you can get married. You can't do that you can't keep it all in, you have to be able to share that, so I told my wife that you know and and, and it took um, I, uh, you know it took me a while mm-hmm. to uh, just be honest to get to a point where i could I felt comfortable doing that, um but the guarantee for me had to be she can't be talking to other people about that stuff, right because my heart is for her, not for her and her friends, you know, and sometimes women i mean they like to talk and they get excited like, oh my husband, he talked to me, he shared his heart with me and and that's beautiful, but I don't want her to be talking. So that was the, 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 the kind of agreement that we had, yeah. that uh, I, would, I would, even though it was hard, I would share my heart, my deepest thoughts with her, because that's my wife. We're one. Um, but, but, but to keep that between us, that was kind of what the uh, agreement that we had.
1: Well, and I would say, too, that also lends itself, because my wife and I have had the discussion of, because she knows being married to a radio person, our life is kind of an open book. So what are those do's and don'ts that I could say on the mic? And also that laid the groundwork for the things that, like if she heard of a story of a friend that was going through something, she would say, hey, can I share this part of our story with them for this purpose? And because of the mutual respect we have, then I was like, absolutely, absolutely. But if she had just gone off and shared, then I would, hey that's that's us, right like but that's a part of that vulnerability and trust that is missing in so many marriages
0: Yeah, yeah, and I know some people may not be um uh, fans of that the the uh, the is there the battle partner translation there, right? Sure, um because it says, well, you know uh, uh was the father anticipating the fall right uh Well, see, God knew. God knows everything, right? But again, th- that this decision did not. With the whole thing is that they're one. That's that's the really the main thing is that they're right. one, um, and and that they're supposed to be one in their thoughts. Because look, because what tempted was Satan, the fall from Satan's fall from heaven to earth, and the temptation that was there. God knew that that was going to happen, and so they were supposed to to battle together against those uh, against any temptation that may lead them away from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so, not just one of them, they were two together. And he went after the woman first because she's the life giver and the life bearer. And his job was to serve, protect, and defend her. But he stood there and said and did nothing. And he went after her because women have a special intimacy with the Holy Spirit as life givers and life bearers. You know, I I remember, I I think about this every time we pray the Creed on Sunday Credo Espiritus Sanctus, Dominum et Vivificantem. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. So he was supposed to protect her. And that's why St. Joseph is so awesome The Blessed of Virgin Mary. Joseph did everything faithfully without saying a word, and he did everything God asked him to do. Adam, who does say words, but does nothing when it comes time to protect his family. You know, so God did not want the fall to happen. Let's be clear about that. God did not want the fall to happen. Um uh, that's why he, they, 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 they're in this family unit. They're supposed to be uh, working together. Um, but when Satan shows up, they, uh, they, again, freely, it was free will, they freely chose uh, to say no to God and yes to, their, to themselves. Uh, and, and that's sad and tragic. We're still dealing today with the effects of the original sin. So um, as John Paul II says in Moliere's Dignitatem, the dignity of woman is measured by the order of love which is essentially the order of justice and charity because the woman is the one whom the order of love first takes root in the heart, right? So absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. We'll be returning to this theme on, on other shows as well. Well, man, how, how fast the time flies here on Beacon of Truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next show we're going to be talking about uh, next week is Purgatory. I'm going to talk about some Lenten themes. And remember, you can stream today's show by visiting podcast central at ew10.com slash radio so join us next week for some lenten themed topics starting off with purgatory may almighty god bless you and protect you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen